0: The following message was recorded Sunday, December 24th, 2023. On this Christmas Eve Sunday, Pastor Ritt shares the Christmas story from the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. When and where was Jesus born? And now, here's Pastor Ritt. Today I'm going to give you some things to think about. I'm going to dispel some myths. Was he born on December 25th? No, he wasn't? You sure? Okay. Were there three wise men that came we don't know. We don't know. Did they come to that place where he was born right after his birth? No. no, he didn't. they didn't, did they? What other myths are there about Christmas that we're going to dispel this morning that you might be thinking of? Was he born in a cave or a stable where there are donkeys and cows and chickens and geese? No. no, no. You know, God is so precise. Isn't it wonderful how we can, you know, we're talking about sailors and sailing and and it's so amazing how we can predict the tides isn't it david right to the second right every single day the preciseness of god and i want you to know that that he wasn't born capriciously no there was a preciseness to the birth of jesus that's recorded for us in the scriptures and what we believe must be based upon what the scripture has to say not what we believe or speculate isn't that true yeah now, there's only two places we would go in the Gospels, the four Gospels, to look at the birth narrative. We wouldn't go to Mark's Gospel because he starts with the baptism of John. Mark starts with the baptism of John. And we, and we wouldn't go to John's Gospel because John's Gospel starts with very beginning, in the beginning, right? Let there be light. And light was in the beginning of Christ. But he doesn't go into the birth narrative, neither does Mark. So the only place we can go to understand what's really taking place in the birth narrative would be either Matthew or Luke. Luke. So we'll go to Matthew first. Let's look there, okay? Yeah. Matthew's Gospel. And the other thing I like to do away with is that fat man in the red suit. Oh, don't. It's not me. Not me. (laughs) All right. I'm not talking about me. I'm not the fat man in the red suit. Who are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah, If you you take that N and you move it to the end of the name, what do you got? (laughs) Satan. Oh, my. Oh, my. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. There's only one Saint Nick in the Bible. Isn't that right? Where's that? Nicodemus, John chapter 3. He's the only Saint Nick in the Bible, okay? But uh, where did I say to go? Matthew. Matthew. Okay, let's go to Matthew. Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 2. Let's go there. As I said, I have a lot of information I'm going to share with you, and your mind needs to be clear. And I recognize that even myself, as I came in here and drove into the parking lot this morning, my mind was filled with all kinds of things that i needed to take care of quickly and our minds can be a distraction to the way god wants to speak to us you see before i study before i study the word of god the first thing i have to do is i have to settle myself i have to quiet my mind i have to lord please settle my mind quiet me so that i can receive what you have for me don't allow my mind to become distracted And it's good to keep a pad and a pencil there because the things you immediately will want to remember and you will try to remember those things rather than concentrating on what God has for you. So you write those down. That's what I do in my study. But right now, I want your minds to be uncluttered. Take a deep breath. (sighs) Come on, some of you didn't do it. Come on, it helps. Take a deep breath, big deep breath. (sighs) Lord, I pray right now. Lord, in this life, at this time, there's only two ways in which we experience you, Lord. It's with our minds and with our hearts. And there can be such distractions in each, Lord. There can be things in our heart that don't belong there, Lord. And there can be distractions in our mind, Lord, that are keeping us, preventing us from hearing your truth. Because you said, Jesus, whom you set free, will be free indeed. Indeed. And that your truth shall set us free and that your word is truth lord so this morning lord and all that i have studied and all that i have prepared lord i just offer this service to you and ask you by the power of your holy spirit to bring to my remembrance those things you want me to share and lord to allow these your sons and daughters to absorb what you have for them this morning but lord clear our minds Settle our hearts, Lord. Help us to focus on you, this Christ Mass. Help us to put you first in all things and before everyone or any possession or position or pleasure. Lord, reign in our hearts. Thy kingdom come in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 2, let's pick it up in verse 18. We'll start there. Uh, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, what did I say? I said two? Bless you. Uh, Let me be very clear. I don't have it all together. But all together? We have it all, okay? None of us have it all together. But all together? All right, so you help me, because a lot of times my mind goes quicker than my mouth or vice versa, okay? So chapter 1, is that what I said? Chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew's Gospel. Relax. We're going to have a good time here this morning. The The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take your your Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Yahshua, Jehovah Shua, I am salvation, For he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken to the Lord through the Lord, through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name jesus now after after jesus was born in bethlehem this is after some time okay you need to understand that this event that we're going to look at with these wise men coming from the east he was somewhere between two to five to six years old at this point so it had been some period of time when they saw that star and they began to travel how far did they have to travel 600 plus miles depending upon the route it was probably uh, it could be uh, been as much as a thousand miles it would have been a journey lasting months but it says now after this, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem what does Bethlehem mean? Beth, house, lamb, bread the bread of life was born in the house of bread isn't that wonderful? that's coincidental too isn't it? do you know something interesting about the or coincidental about the Hebrew language is that The rabbis would say coincidence is not a kosher word. And you know why? Because God is sovereign, but also, listen to me, in the Hebrew language, there's no word for coincidence. Isn't that a coincidence? Well, anyway, reading on it born in bethlehem of judea in the days of herod the king behold wise men from the east came to jerusalem saying where is he who is born king of the jews for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him these wise men do you know the greek word here for wise men well it's where we get the word magi it's magos magos these magos wise men they came from the east now we can speculate where they came from because there's a lot of good evidence extra biblical evidence for where they might have come from where do you think they came from where Babylon. babylon from babylon From the Parthian Empire, from Persia. Babylon was overtaken by the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians became the Parthian Empire. The Parthian Empire became a very strong, powerful world empire, which was always competing and warring against the... Which empire? The Roman Empire, thank you. So there was this battle continually between the Roman Empire and the Parthian Empire. But these men would have come from Babylon, which was formerly Babylon, the Parthian Empire. But they, they were, there's a strong possibility that they were part Jew. Now, why would that be? Where would there be any influence whatsoever in Babylon with regard to any understanding of the Jewish Mashiach Nagi, the Messiah, the king? Daniel. Daniel. So these men, in all probability, came from what we would call a, the cult of Daniel. The cult of Daniel. And who are they looking for? He who would be born king of the jews the king of the universe king of the world now now we don't have time right now but if you went back into daniel's prophecies you'll see in chapter 2 verse 44 that daniel predicts world governing empires and he says when these world governing empires form even to the last and the last one would be a revived roman empire he said in the days of these kings what what no in the days of these kings Okay, the God of heaven will establish his kingdom, and he will reign forever and ever and ever. That's the first prediction in Daniel of the the messianic reign of Jesus Christ, the millennial kingdom, and then on into everlasting. Joy, peace, love. Isn't that wonderful? And then in chapter 7, around verses 13 and 14, he says the same thing, basically. So in the cult of Daniel, there was an understanding that there was one to be born in Israel who would be the king of the world, who would bring about a kingdom of everlasting hope, peace, joy, love, righteousness forever and ever and ever. And that's what they were looking for. Read on. These magos or magi from the Medo-Persian Empire. Oh, by the way, and what was Daniel noted for in the kingdom? What did, what did they revere him over? His diet? All he ate was vegetables. I don't revere that diet. My wife constantly tries to get me on a Daniel diet. I said, no, I'm, a, I'm a, a carnivore. Meat, where's the beef? You know. No, no, no. What was he known for? His wisdom. The wisdom of Daniel is what he was revered for. His understanding. And so what we have here is these, these coming, and as these men grew in their understanding, who gives us wisdom? God. Now, what is wisdom? Okay, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, but wisdom is simply the proper application of the knowledge you do have. Knowledge is a gathering of information, right? Now, we, we live in an age now where men are forever, forever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. That's why more and more people don't understand what Christ's Mass is all about. They don't celebrate Christmas. They're pagan. It's a pagan worship. They're Christian name only, Christian in name only. It's Christian, yeah, yeah. They're worshiping Baal, they're worshiping Bacchus. You know, of that's going to take place. It's so sickening, right? Hmm. But Daniel gave these men a true understanding of the wisdom that would come from God. And as that wisdom flows, as you seek God, will he be found by you? knock and the door will be open ask and the answer shall be given seek and you shall is that true i found that to be true 38 years of age i started seeking and i still seek today as wise men do right and he's constantly giving me understanding giving me revelation giving me wisdom in the knowledge that i do have now i have to believe that these magos these magi that came from the east they were worshiping the god of daniel the god that they knew the god of israel and as they were submitting to him in what they did know he gave them further wisdom and understanding and revelation i've discovered that in my own life have you who can say amen Amen. all right all right yeah bunch of scholars here very good so these men had wisdom they were coming seeking the one who would become came, become king of the world they came from the east and they came to jerusalem saying where is he who would be born king of the jews for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him now uh, was this star a natural celestial object in the sky was it a star was it a planet was it a sun what was it No, none of those things. Personally, my personal opinion, we don't know. No one knows for certain, but my personal opinion is it was supernatural. It was a supernatural star or light that they had seen because as they entered Jerusalem, they didn't see the light anymore. We're going to see here in a minute that then the star returned and they had exceedingly great joy. (gasps) It's back, right? Isn't it wonderful when the star rises up in your heart and your life? Who's that star? Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is he who is to be born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled. Now, now, why would Herod be troubled that these guys talking about a king, and why would he be troubled when there's this border incursion, these people coming across their border? Why would he be so concerned? Now, would it be three wise men? No. We don't know how many. We just know there were wise men, plural, two or more. But they would have hundreds of people in this caravan coming to seek out the wisdom of the Holy One. And now why would Herod be concerned? A couple of reasons. Why? What? Competition. Competition? Okay. Who's this king? I'm the king of the Jews. Who who established Herod as king of the Jews? Romans. Romans. The Romans did. Who established December 25th as Christmas? The Romans Romans did. Be careful what Rome establishes. Okay? (laughs) Just a just I, <clears throat> if, you, if you would like to talk to me about it later, we can. I was a Roman Catholic for 30 years. but and, and, and so much of the Church of Rome, if you read the book that Paul wrote, his epistle to the Romans, that was the church. But over any period of time, everything comes becomes corrupt. Every man's institutions, and you see where this woke pope, I mean, how he wants to bless what? I, 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 if, as a Roman Catholic, Roman Catholics should be raising up in arms furious how could this be God alone established marriage between one biological man one biological woman till death do them part isn't that right yeah it's just a rebellion against God once again goodness where was I Rome yes why was he concerned Why? Because the Romans had established him as the king of Judea. Why would he be concerned? Because there was this constant battle that took place almost 800 years between the Parthian Empire, the Roman Empire, Parthian Empire, the Roman Empire. And and the prize that they would win would be that area of Palestine or the Middle East there, that bridge between Asia and, and Europe, okay? And so it would go back and forth. And who would suffer the most as this would go on back and forth, back and forth for almost a millennium? The Jews, Israel, because they're sandwiched in the middle, you see. And so Herod would have been very concerned about this border crossing, this incursion upon his border, upon the Parthians. Oh, no, are we going to go through this again? And he was no match for the Parthian Empire, you know. And he knows exactly what would happen. Israel would be squeezed in the middle again. But he was also concerned about the fact that, that he was a king of Judea, king of the Jews. Hmm? Herod, you know me and descendant of Esau, but what modern, what modern troublemaker was uh, Edomian, a descendant of Esau? Arafat. Arafat. I'm not talking about my cat. I had a cat I named Arafat. She'd, oh, she terrorized me every night. You know? her, 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 her given name was Hadassah, right? Uh, Esther, Queen Esther. But her Hebrew name was Hadassah. Beautiful. But then I found out she was a terror, and I named her Arafat, mm. uh, Edomian, Herod. Mm. Yeah. It's okay to laugh in church. <laughs> Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all of the chief priests and the scribes and the people together and inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, and they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written in the prophets, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah? Judah? Who's of the tribe of Judah? The lineage of David. David is that tribe. And not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Hmm? Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from then what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, go and search carefully for the what does it say? It doesn't say baby, or the babe, or the infant? Does anybody know what the Greek word is here? What is it? And what does it mean? Someone in their terrible twos. Oh, my. You know. Somewhere in the age of two to six, somewhere in that area, a young child. Nine times Luke is going to emphasize a young child, a young child, a young child, a young child. child. You you get it? You get the point? What does the Bible say? Did the wise men confront the infant? Pribos? That's the word there for infant. Pribos? no he didn't not a prebos but a young child further evidence that when they came it was well after his birth okay i want you to understand that nine times it's going to say that young child and when they found him bring back word to me herod is describing to them that i may come and worship him also Did herod want to worship him herod want to kill him and how do we know that because this deranged monster killed all of the young men, young boys in Bethlehem after this, didn't they? Yeah. Well, that is angelic. Is that an angel? <laughs> if your cell phone turned it off, you're a devil. Because <laughs> you didn't turn it off to begin with. But if it's an angel, okay. <laughs> We're controlled by those things, aren't we? No, that's right, my dear. No. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came over the, where the young child. young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. There it is again, again, again. Look, it came back. Let's follow the star. Now, it makes sense that we go to Jerusalem, right? What, what, what Jerusalem was the place that was established as the capital of Israel. Jerusalem was the place that where God would be worshipped at. Who conquered over Jerusalem? When did they first discover, or when did uh, Jerusalem first become a city within Israel? And how did that happen? 1,000 B.C., how did that happen? King David defeated the Jebusites. Now... You read in the narrative this morning that he was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. Does the Bible describe Bethlehem as the city of David? I'm sorry? No, no the city of David, where would the city of David be in the Bible? What, what city would be the city of David in the Bible, as far as the Bible is concerned? Overwhelmingly, evidence. Jerusalem. Over 40 times, Jerusalem is called the city of David, the city of David, the city of David. Why now does... Luke, record that Bethlehem is the city of David. What did you say, Ed? You forgot? I'm sorry? That's where the, Thank you for reminding him, Carolyn. You know, we do forget. Gail reminds me all the time. You know, <laughs> that's where he was born, okay? So <laughs> we want to make that point, right? That that's where the young child was born, in Bethlehem. It was called the city of David because of the place of his birth. And we'll see there were some other very, very important people in the lineage of Christ born there. Verse 10, they saw the star. They rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, not the barn, not the cave. When they came into the house, they saw what? The young child with Mary, his mother. They fell down, they worshiped him, and then they had opened up their treasures. They gave him gifts. Now, this is why we say there's three wise men, because of the three gifts. But we don't know how many offerings of gold or frankincense or myrrh there was. There may have been more than one. Uh, and we don't know how many wise men there were, but there were three gifts given to him, all representative of his position, the glory that he has in the highest, right? Glory excelsius, the high, Lord in the highest. They gave him treasures, which they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What did that represent? Frankincense. Oh, how about the gold? What did the gold represent? His kingship. His kingship. All right. The frankincense. His priesthood. The myrrh. Prophet. Prophet. Prophet, priest, and king. Jesus alone, Jesus alone fulfilled those three roles. No other man in history, in the Jewish people, the break history, could fulfill those three roles. The only one who was close to that was who? No, no, because was Jesus. He was the theophany. He was Christ, the vision of Christ. The the only physical blood man. Who? No? Who? Why are you answering all these questions? Will you give Ed a card? Merry Christmas, Ed. You're so smart. I don't know why I do this, you know? Oh, ask him. No, give him a Panera card. Give him a Panera card. He likes Panera. What was the question he answered? (laughs) Thank you. Samuel was the one. Samuel was a priest, right? Samuel was a prophet. But Samuel wasn't a king, he was a judge. That's right. And so the only one that was close in that was Samuel. But Jesus alone is prophet, priest, and king. That's why these three gifts specifically, they speak of that role that he fulfills. Verse 12, then being divinely warned warned in a dream that they should depart and return to Herod. They departed not returned to herod they departed from their own to their own country another way now they're going to take flight and they're going to go to egypt and they're going to have to vacation down in egypt for a little while Uh, and all of that was funded by who god himself god himself led the magos to bring the gifts that would take care of them while they were in Egypt, but they're only going to be in Egypt until Herod dies. They'll come back. But we want to continue with our study of the birth narrative. And so, where would we go from here? Luke. Luke chapter 2. So, go with me there. Luke 2. Luke 2 gives us some more information that we don't necessarily get from Matthew. Matthew touches upon it, but Luke, a little more exhaustive. So, Luke chapter 2. <laughs> I love what Christmas really is. You know, I haven't been Christmas shopping once. And I don't intend to. You know what I did to relieve all my Christmas stress yesterday? Where'd we go? We went cycling. cycling. And I could not believe the traffic going to the mall and the parking lot and the congestion. And then we finally got on the trail. Oh, boy, wasn't that glorious? Yeah, yeah. Beloved, don't get caught up in all this craziness. Worship Christ Mass. Worship the Lord. Mm. Why, why, why do people think today that love is expressed in buying the most expensive gift that you can't afford? Did you hear what I just said? You know, that's what most people do. Oh, I have to prove my love to you, darling. I'm going to buy you a gift that neither one of us can afford. We'll worry about it after Christmas. anxiety in the heart after christmas leads to oh that's what the bible says anxiety in the heart leads to depression and do you know how many people are going to be anxious over the debt that they've collected during this season of the year about january 20th they're going to wish they had never done it (laughs) it's all emotional it's not thought right is that not true now, listen, I'm only telling you this from experience. I've been there. I used to think that the way I have to express my love during Christmas is buying gifts I can't afford. But that'll prove my love. Does that prove your love? No. Can you buy devotion? Can you buy friendship? Can you buy love? No, no, no. I don't know why I went there, but Anyway chapter 2 verse 1 luke's gospel it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from caesar augustus that all the world should be registered and this census first took place while curanius was governing syria So all went to be registered everyone to his own city there were no less than three census that caesar augustus declared during his reign one was in 8 bc one was in 2 bc and one was in 6 a.d which one do you think we're talking about 2 B.C. Thank you. That's the one. That's the census. So Joseph, go to with me to verse four now. Joseph also went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth, from the city of out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in the manger. There's a definite article here in the Greek text that doesn't appear in your translation. So would you please scratch out the A and put in the manger? It's a definite article, a specific manger. That's true of verse 7 it's true of verse 12 it's true of verse 16 if you go back to an interlinear you'll find that to be true it's a definite article the manger not a just any manger the manger very specific okay Uh, and i'm being very specific about that for a reason you'll see in a moment when was jesus born When was Jesus born? When was he born? September. How do you know that? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not an appropriate answer. But I did tell you that. Go with me to chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel. Chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel. We're going to discover that Jesus was not born on December 25th. Frankie. Now, we don't know the exact date of his birth, but we know a close time frame. What? Frankie, Frankie what? You know. You know. Yeah, and if she doesn't know, I would be really disappointed because I don't know how many times I've taught this. (laughs) And you've been with me, you're my daughter in the Lord, you've been with me for how long now? Oh, God, seems like forever, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, no, you didn't. You would have remembered. Yeah, Can we have this conversation later? You know, there's a lot of people listening in. (laughs) Keep all those sweet nothings to yourself right now. All right, where are we? Luke chapter 1 please look at verse 5 there was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias when were the days of Herod when was Herod king 37 BC to January 14th 1 BC what happened on January 14th he got eaten up by worms oh <laughs> yeah can you imagine yeah, God let parasites just take him over because he was an evil man, right? Don't you like, ooh, that word even makes you, gives you goosebumps, doesn't it? Little Noah or Leonardo was sitting here. He's down in Florida playing golf, uh, but we correspond, and that little guy, you know, he's just so rich in the body. I can't, you know, some, kill, some children, the Lord just puts his hand on them, you know? Yeah, but we were talking about the word evil. Terrible, isn't it? You take the E out of it. What do you got? V-I-L. What is it? Vile. Take the V out. What do you got? L. Take the I out. What do you got? Right where you're going if you don't follow Jesus. (laughs) L. You're going to L. L. Right? (laughs) Herod, was evil. He died on January the 14th, 1 B.C. He was the king of Judea. A certain priest named Zacharias, Zacharias of the... Division of Abijah, and his wife was a daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, both descendants of the priesthood, both godly, wonderful people of great reputation, very, very given over to the Lord. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all of his commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in age. Oh, my. What does Zacharias mean? God remembers. God remembers. What does Elizabeth mean? his covenant, or his oath. And now the angel is revealing to them they're going to have a son, and he's going to tell them, you need to name this boy Trouble. No, is that what he's, no, no. You need name, name him John. And what does it mean? Isn't that amazing? Just listen, just in the meanings of these three names is the gospel. Gospel? What, what, what did we just sing? That is the word gospel? The first... That means gospel, you know. Did you know that? No. It's French. It's French for gospel, or good speak. Now, it's, it's been interpreted now to mean Christmas, but it literally means the gospel. The gospel just in these three names. you imagine that, Jackson? Zachariah remembers Elizabeth, his oath, to be gracious. And after 400 silent years, from Malachi, the Italian... No, no, Malachi. Malachi to Matthew... God didn't speak. God didn't work. He was silent. They must have believed that he has abandoned us. But then God remembers his covenant to Israel. For their namesake, for his namesake. Not for them. We read that in Ezekiel 36 just the other night. I'm not doing this for you, Israel. Not because you deserve this. Israel, before for my namesake i'm going to restore you i'm going to i'm going to revive you spiritually why did he save you why did he revive you because there was something about you no for the glory of his name for the glory of the highest yeah hmm. zachariah god remembers his covenant or his oath elizabeth to be gracious john and after 400 silent years i told you the messiah was coming The Mashiach Nagi, the king of Israel. And here he is. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Don't you find that amazing? Yeah. Now, wait a minute. What was Zechariah doing? (laughs) Look at the text. Read the text. Okay. A priest named Zechariah of the division of abad and his wife was one of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth, and they were both well-advanced in age. They were righteous before God. But they had no children. Elizabeth was barren. They were both advanced in age. Verse 8 now. So it was while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priest, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were, were praying, was praying outside at the hour of incense. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. Well, that's what would happen if an angel came <coughs> and visited us, wouldn't it? Now, what is this order or division of a Bajai? The 24 divisions of the priesthood. There were more priests then there were opportunities to serve, okay? And so every priest wanted the opportunity to serve, so in David's time, they divided them into divisions. Just look with me. Keep your place here in Luke 1, and go to 1 Chronicles 24. Are you there? Isn't that a wonderful sound? So, someone came to the men's study on Saturday morning, and after the study, they said, man, you know, I, all you could hear was guys turning their Bibles, pages of their Bible. He said, I, I can't remember the last time i have been in a church where that was true. Most churches don't need a Bible. They don't carry a Bible. Why? They don't believe the Bible. The pastor doesn't believe the Bible. The people don't believe the Bible. They don't study the Bible. They give them lessons on how to be good citizens, how to save your money, et cetera, et cetera. Life-living principles rather than the word of God. But what do the people need? What's going to set them free? The truth of the word of God. Hmm? Chapter 24 of 1 Chronicles, it says, now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. Everybody who was going to be a priest needed to be a descendant of the tribe of Levi. They had to have Levi genes in order to be a priest. It's required. Right? yeah, But but more specifically, you had to be a descendant of Aaron. Aaron was of the tribe of Levi. Now, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, Ethamar, and it goes on and on and on. But for our conversation, please look with me at verse... Uh, mm, come on. I just at it here. I should have underlined it, huh? Right here, verse 10. The seventh... Hachos. The eighth? Abijah. Abijah. Verse 10. First Chronicles. What does it say? Of the eighth division? Who was it? Abijah. 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 Zacharias is of which division? Abijah. And this is the only time, listen to me, this is the only time in his life, his entire life, that he would have this wonderful privilege of going in to the holy place and offering incense on the altar of incense, offering and representing the prayers of the people. So as a priest, he's representing the people to God, and then he comes out, he's to represent God to the people. How much of a representative are you of God to those who know you best? How much of a representative are you to God to those that you know best? We're supposed to do both, right? I'm supposed to represent Gail to God, and I'm supposed to bring God to Gail. That's my role. You believe in the priesthood of all believers? All believers are priests? Is that true? So you're a priest unto yourself? No. No, no. The priest, as we see here, They were ordained or anointed to officiate in the sacrificial system of Israel. The priest was called to offer sacrifice unto the Lord. And there's many sacrifices in the Old Old Testament, which was the way in which God had prescribed where you come to him for a temporary covering of your sin, not a complete remission. That would come through the Messiah. But you and I, acknowledging the priesthood of all believers, offer a sacrifice to God that only I can offer. Only you can offer. What is that sacrifice that only you can offer to God? Your life. That's what it means. It's not a priest unto yourself. But I beseech you, I beg you, I implore you, by the mercies of God. What? You present yourself a living sacrifice, a burnt offering unto God. That's what Paul was talking about. But Zacharias, he was a priest. And he he was ordained and anointed to officiate in offering sacrifice and God. And here, the, the altar of incense. Now, now, without going through a lot of uh, unnecessary, redundant history, let me just tell you, and you can research this yourself, the eighth division of a gi in the year in which our, our Lord was, was born was July 13, 3 B.C. 13? That's an unlucky number, isn't it? No. My God is sovereign. There's no unlucky numbers. You believe, do you believe in luck, good luck, bad luck? Do you believe in luck? No. no there's no such thing as luck. God's sorry, God's in control, right? 13, July 13th is a wonderful number as far as I'm concerned. Me boy. Me boy was born on July 13th, 1970. Yeah. Am I that old? My goodness. No. Yeah. So back to Luke's gospel, chapter 1. He was of the division of a Bagi. He's offering incense at the altar of incense. And so, when did I say this was? July 13, 3 BC. Okay? And the people are outside praying. They're all praying unto the Lord. And what do we think they're praying? For the Messiah to come, to deliver them from the yoke of Rome, right? That's what they're really desiring. And what should we be praying continually? Who saw the, who saw the coming of the Lord more than any other man? john the beloved the apostle right jesus says to peter what is it to you if this man remains until i come and so everybody thought well john's not going to die until the lord comes again but john did see the second coming of the lord when he was on the isle of patmos exiled oh what a wonderful time he had just him and the lord that solitude right that separation from everything else but separated to the lord and then he saw the revelation do you know that the Revelation, the, the book of the Revelation from chapter 1 to the end of the book is the day of the Lord? Right? And John sees the coming of the Lord. And he is so blessed by that. And the point I wanted to make is that as the people were outside praying, Lord, come. Come when John sees the coming of the Lord and all associated with it, what would your reaction be? The tribulation period. A period in a time of trouble for which the world has never seen before nor will ever see again. In just two of the judgments during that period, what happens? In two judgments during that period, which most don't believe, but it's coming. Half the population is gone. He's going to terrorize the world. After all of that, and you read the revelation, you say, Oh my goodness, Lord, would it be? What would your reaction be? What? Okay, but what else would you want? Lord, can you just wait? Can you just wait a little longer? Wouldn't you want him to wait? What was John's reaction at the end of the revelation? Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Come. Why, to end all of the suffering, all the pain, all the sorrow. Yeah. He saw the second, he saw the first coming of Christ. He saw the second coming of Christ. What a privilege. So they were out there praying, praying for the first coming of the Lord. This was, uh, as I said, July 13, 3 BC. Verse 13 now, chapter 1. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayers heard. What would Zacharias' prayer be? I'm sorry. He wants a baby. He he not only wants to see the Messiah, of course, but, you know, they're in their old age, and, and, you know, it was very important to have male children at that time. Why? They were your 401k. You, you, you didn't have a 401k other than your, your children, right? And most of it was agricultural, so you needed lots of children to work on the, on the farm and take care of things, the vineyard, whatever it might have been. And so I think he was probably praying for a son, but he's also praying for the Messiah to come. He probably had given up on a son at this point. He was very old in age, right? Yeah. How many of you have grandchildren? Oh, you're so blessed. Yeah. Now, why and the Lord chose not to allow me to have grandchildren, I don't know. I prayed. I went into the temple. I've asked them over and over. I pleaded. I fasted. I've put on sackcloth and ashes. But it just—it's not for me. It's for you. But I have a bunch of grandchildren upstairs. Love them all, right? But Zechariah—I think he wanted a son, but I think he wanted the Messiah to come as well. I think he had more hope in the Messiah than he did in his Elizabeth being pregnant. The angel said to them, "Don't, don't be afraid." Zacharias, for your prayers heard, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. So that's indicative of the fact that he was praying for a son. You shall call his name John, gracious, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And he goes on to talk all about these characteristics of John. What a wonderful man he was. Let's go to um, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, sixth month of what? How do you know that? You go to verse 36. Verse 36 of the chapter says, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is, the, and this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God nothing is impossible. Impossible. So that's how we know when he talks about it being the sixth month. It's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, right? Because that's the context here. She was pregnant miraculously, right? She's going to have a baby. And so this being the sixth month, when would that be? July is when he served in the temple, right? August, September, October, November, December, So this is January, about January, right, Uh, 2 BC, or 3 BC. No, 2 BC, January 2 BC, because it was 3 BC -BC. previously. And this is the sixth month. Look at the text now, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee, to Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one, for the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women but when she saw him she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was and then the angel said to her, do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus he will be great he will be called the son of the highest the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever and ever and ever in his kingdom there will be no end then Mary said to the angel how can this be since I do not know a man the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore, that holy one who is to be born in you will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing is impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Wow. Now, if we go to verse... 57 we see the birth of john right now elizabeth's full time had come for her to be delivered and she brought forth a son and her neighbors and relatives heard how the lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her now when would this have happened when april when april 2bc what would happen in april 2bc that would be significant for the jews Pesach. That's right. Passover. Pesach. Passover. So, all right, so we know that John was born 2 BC, right? And he was born in April, somewhere around April 2 BC. Now, we know that Jesus was how much younger than John? 6 months. Six months. Six months. So, when was Jesus born then? October, when? October, yeah, somewhere September October, time frame. What would be significant for the Jews during that time? the fall feasts first fall feasts is yom torah feast of Trumpets. second one yom kippur day of atonement third one tabernacle sukkot feast of tabernacles and his name shall be called emmanuel which means god tabernacling with us right god with us right now my my particular position is that i believe he was born on the feast of tabernacles that year, but he was definitely not born in December. He was not born on December 25th, and we know from the biblical record that he had to be born six months after John, and therefore he was born somewhere in the September, probably October time frame, which corresponds with the fall feasts of Israel. All those three fall feasts of Israel. Do you know that it, that Jesus has literally fulfilled the? Where's the time going? <coughs> you don't want to go to lunch, do you? No. Do you know that Jesus has literally fulfilled the first four feasts on the very day? Passover, Unleavened Bread, first fruits, Pentecost, on the very day. Do you know that Jesus is going to fulfill the last three feasts on the very day? Those three feasts all have to do with the second coming of Christ? The first four all have to do with the first coming, and what he accomplished at his first coming? The last three all have to do with the second coming, and all he's going to accomplish at the second coming. Do you even have an understanding of that? I hope you do. I hope you do. Continue to look at the narrative here. Uh, Chapter 2. We had discussed the first seven verses. Now go to verse 8. Back up to verse 7 for one moment. I want to mention something. So she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in the manger. I mentioned it to you, right? Because there was no room for him in the end. What's the word for manger here in the Greek? Fatine. Fatine. what does it mean? Or a stall. A stall or a crib. A crib. Right? A stall or a crib. Adele, <clears throat> your goat had a baby the other day? Had a baby? I'm sorry? Yeah. Five. One goat, five Oh, oh, five babies, five babies. Okay. Now, you were telling me that one of the goats, you, uh, Jasmine, had to intervene. She was the heroine, right? What did she do? She see the goats. Yes. Um, well, the male goat was chasing the female goat. What do you call a male goat? Billy. Billy or a ram. <laughs> so, so the male goat was chasing the female goat, which was trying to give birth, but this jerk. Couldn't leave her alone, right? No, I mean, I'm serious. You know, I mean, come on, give the girl a break, man. So she had to intervene, right? Now, at now, in, 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 in this time, in ancient Israel, there were certain shepherds that raised certain sheep for a certain purpose, and they would make sure that nobody harassed these ewes. That's a female lamb, E-W-E-U, uh, and that the rams would not harass them, so they had to take them into a special place and help them give birth, because these, these lambs would be used for sacrifice to Hashem, the name. They wouldn't even say his name, but for God, right? So uh, like what Jasmine had to do the other day in giving this 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 billy goat, this jerk away from that girl, right? So she could have her baby. Well, they had to do the same thing. I'll talk more about that in a moment. But fatiné is a stall, stall or crib. It's not necessarily a feeding trough, okay? And I'm going to explain that to you in a minute. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Shepherds used to be an honorable profession, but at this time, it's not. They look very down upon shepherds, right? But who are some of the shepherd patriarchs? Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. And Jesus is called? The good shepherd in John. The great shepherd in Hebrews. The chief shepherd in 1 Peter. Thank you. Jesus is a shepherd. Now, now, shepherds were looked uh, down upon at this time. And those shepherds who were raising sheep for whatever cause, they had to raise their sheep out in the wilderness. They couldn't raise their sheep near the cities. Unclean. And then if you were involved with them at all, you were ceremonial, unclean, and you couldn't participate in the worship of Hashem. Except, there was one exception to that. These Levitical shepherds who were raising sheep specifically for sacrifice. And once they were born, they would separate them by gender because the rams were given for what offering? I'm sorry? Give, Give her a gift card, will you? That's right. The rams were a burnt offering, and the ewes were a, a peace offering. Peace offering. That's right. And so that's very specific. I want you to understand, because uh, I'm going to cover that more. I, just, I got more to give you than I have time, Lord. Please help me. Shepherds out in the fields, watching out for their flocks. And behold, the an angel of the Lord stood, behold them, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, they bring you good tidings, of great joy, which shall be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of David. Why was it called the city of David when the city of David was Jerusalem? Because this was his birthplace, the city of David, a savior lineage of Christ, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you A sign to who this word sign is a wonder. It was a supernatural wonder to who? To the shepherds, not to anybody else. It was assigned to the shepherds specifically. This will be assigned to you, shepherds, and you will find a babe. What's the word, babe? Briefos, briefos, infant, babe, infant, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, a manger, the manger. Well, now, let's talk about that for a minute. <coughs> How many of you have ever heard? Oh, no, let me ask it the other way because I don't know many of you have. How many of you have never, ever heard of the big or don't know what it is? The big doll Wow, you're all informed. You don't know Paul? Okay. Well, then I'm talking to you, Paul. This is for you. This service was constructed for you. Genesis 35, Paul. And the rest of you can turn there as well. <clears throat> Migdal Edar. The tower of the flock. Genesis 35. Genesis 35, we know that uh, Jacob goes to Bethel. Jacob means... Dirty, rotten scoundrel. He'll catch her. Right? But Jacob is going to become Israel. No longer called Jacob. He will be called Israel governed by God. Isn't that what happened to us? We were Jacob, dirty, rotten scoundrel. And then God came into our life, and now we're governed by God and his word, and we, we can become the Israel. And that's exactly what Paul calls us in the New Testament, that we are the Israel of God. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. So where are we? Chapter 35? Uh, Let's pick it up in verse 16. Then they journeyed as far as Bethel, Bethel, house of God. That's where we are, right? Bethel Road, Bethel, house of God. And when they were but a little distance to go to Ephrath, what's Ephrath mean? Fruitful, otherwise known as Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Ephrath. She labored. Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, which means? Son, son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, son of my right arm. And so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath. That is? Bethlehem, and Jacob set a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. And the Israel, then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent where? The Beyond the tower of the flock. And what is the tower of the flock? The Migdal Ader. The Migdal Ader. Now this is very important. You see, Rachel was born. Rachel bore Benjamin there in Bethlehem. <clears throat> A lot of significant things have taken place in Bethlehem. There was this beautiful couple. We read about this. One of the greatest love stories that has ever been written. What is that? Ruth and Boaz. Ruth and Boaz. Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. Boaz is a type of Jesus Christ. And they came together by God's providence, right? God ordained it. Now, when they came together, they had a son, and, his son's, and their son's name was? Obed, born in Bethlehem. And Obed had a son, and his name was? Jesse and Jesse had a son, several sons, but the David, the most famous of them all, born in Bethlehem. Isn't that interesting? Of the lineage of David, in the city of David, the place of his birth, Bethlehem, at the Tower of the Flock, is where all of this had taken place, near the Tower of the Flock. Now, uh, go with me to Micah. Micah. I'll give you a minute to find it. You can cheat and go to the front of your Bible. Chapter 4. Speaking of the tower of the flock. Significant place where several of the patriarchs were birthed, where I believe the Messiah himself was birthed. (coughs) Let them know we'll be a little bit longer, John Michael. I'll try to make it just a little bit. Chapter 4 of Micah. If you're there, do you have a heading in your Bible? The promise of the coming king, the Lord's reign in Zion, it's all, it's all about the Lord coming to reign, the Messiah, the king of Israel, the one who the wise men were seeking. Uh, let's pick it up in verse 6. We're talking about Zion's triumph and that Zion is going to become a nation among the nations once again, that Israel and specifically Jerusalem will be revered and the people of the worlds will go to Jerusalem to worship the God of Israel. This is during the millennial reign of Christ. Everybody's there? Chapter 4, verse 6. In that day, says the Lord, I will assemble the lame, I will gather the outcasts and those whom I have afflicted. This is Israel who has been punished temporarily but she's going to be restored back to god several of the prophets indicate that and this was indicated here i will make the lame a remnant and the outcast a young nation strong nation and so the lord will reign over them at mount zion when will the reign? when will the lord reign over israel at mount zion during the millennial reign the end of the revelation thousand year reign we call the messianic millennial kingdom And you, O Migdal Elar, tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. Even the former dominion shall come for the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. Now, what he's saying there is that that the king of Israel, who's going to reign during the millennial reign over all of Israel at the end of time, he's the one who will come. Now, Luke records for us. uh, Luke 21 corresponds to Matthew 24 or mark 13 they're both all three of those chapters in the gospels are apocalyptic they all speak about the end of time luke 21 around verse 24 or so talks about the fact that the fullness of the gentiles has come in and then god will once again be working among the jewish people fulfilling the 70th seven of daniel if you know what i'm talking about there but this is precisely the time period that that Micah is talking about here the end of days of the end of the age when the Messiah will return. It's interesting that Proverbs 18.10 says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous shall run to it and be safe. Now go to chapter five for a minute. Chapter five. Do you have a heading over chapter five, verse two? The coming of the Messiah, the coming of the king. We're talking about the birth of Christ. The Messiah of Israel. Now, there's the first coming, there's the second coming. This applies to the first coming. It says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Right? What is this designation? It's not just Bethlehem, it's Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Ancient name for Bethlehem. Okay. Ancient name for Bethlehem. I'm sorry? Ability. No, say it again. What did you say? What? House of bread. No, no, no. You said a district. Did you say the word district? I heard you say the word district. Okay. Bethlehem Ephrata was the agricultural district just outside the city of Bethlehem, the little town of Bethlehem. Just outside the little town of Bethlehem was this agricultural district. In that agricultural district, there was, the, and this, all of this land was given to the priests for the purpose of raising sheep that will be sacrificed unto God during that period of time. Who gave that land to the priests? Do you know? Who? Who gave that land to the priests? David. David the king. David the king determined that this territory would be used for the priests for the purpose of raising the sheep that would be offered unto God in the temple during the the many sacrifices that would take place. Now, it was just outside the little town of Bethlehem. You could not raise your sheep anywhere near the town or inside Israel proper. You had to raise sheep in the wilderness, except except the Levitical shepherds who were ordained by the priest to raise these sheep for the purpose of sacrifice unto God. Just outside the little town of Bethlehem. It's called the Migdal Eder. Oh, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of judah yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in israel whose goings forth are from old from everlasting therefore he shall give them up now he's talking about christ coming and reigning as king zechariah 14 says and the lord shall be king over all the earth this is what's being prophesied now now most Jews understood what was being said here, although they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, I have a book here. It's an ancient volume. It's, well, it's not ancient, but it's old. It's called The Lives and Times of Jesus the Messiah by Edersheim. Does anybody know who Edersheim was? Who was he? Alfred Edersheim was a Jew. He was a Jew. He was born a Jew, and he was uh, born 1825, died 1888. 1888. 1889 excuse me but he was a he was a Christian convert a Presbyterian minister had ministered to him with regard to Jesus being the fulfillment of the prophecies concerning the Messiah first coming of the Messiah. And so in 1845, at 20 years of age, he became a Christian. He became a Messianic Jew. He became a completed Jew embraced Jesus as his Messiah. But as I said, he died at 58 years old uh, in 1883. But he wrote a volume in all of his research and study with regard to Jesus, the Messiah, and a lot of his in his text. But as I was reading this some 20-plus years ago, in with regard to the birth narrative of Jesus, that's when I fell upon this fascinating discovery that Jesus would be born at the Migdal Eder just outside the little town of Bethlehem in the very place where the Levitical shepherds were raising these sheep to be offered unto God. And they would have this tower built in the center. And you can do your research afterwards. Google Migdal Eder. Okay, M-I-G-D-A-L-E-D-E-R, Migdalator. And you'll see that this is exactly what had taken place. Now, here's what he wrote. This Jewish believer back in the 1800s, Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem was a settled conviction. Absolutely. Equally so was the belief that he was to be revealed from the Migdalator, the tower of the flock. For the Migdalator was that watchtower for for the... ordinary flocks that's pastured on the barren sheep ground beyond Bethlehem, but lay close to the town. No, they weren't in the wilderness. They were close to the town, raised by the Levitical shepherds. On the road to Jerusalem, a passage in the Mishnah leads to this conclusion that the flocks were pastured there and destined for temptation temple sacrifice, and accordingly that the shepherds who watched over them were not ordinary shepherds. They were Levitical shepherds. The latter were under the ban of rabbinism on account of the necessary isolation from religious ordinances and the manner of life which rendered strict legal observance unlikely, if not absolutely impossible. But the same Mishnic passage also leads us to infer that these flocks lay out all year long. Some would say, well, it had to be, you know, it, 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 he had to be born... Uh, uh, in the uh, because the shepherds don't allow their flocks to be out in the field in the winter but these particular flocks would be out there at the Migdalator in that precinct area all year long is what he's saying here And the Misanat passage also leads us to infer that the flocks lay out all year long since they are spoken of in the field 30 days before Passover, and that is the month of February, when in Palestine the average rainfall is nearly its greatest. Thus, Jewish tradition in some dim manner apprehend that first revelation of the Messiah, the first revelation of Messiah from the Migdal Eder, where the shepherds watch the temple flocks all year long. Of the deep symbolic significance of such a coincidence, it is needless to speak. Now, what he's saying is that here, now listen, it would be, and I can't be dogmatic about this, but I have a strong position that I believe Jesus was born at the Migdalator, which is just outside the little town of Bethlehem, where these Levitical shepherds were ordained by the priests to raise these sheep for one specific purpose, not for their wool, not for consumption, but for sacrifice to God. And when they would raise these sheep, when the ewes were ready to drop their their youngins right they would bring them into the inside of the tower and it was scrubbed spotless because all of this is for god and so they had to be cleansed there was a ceremonial cleansing to this whole area and they would bring in these ewes as they were pregnant and ready to give birth they put them in different stalls and cribs and then when they were ready to give birth they'd bring them out and they'd help them in the birthing process and when the lambs were born they had to do something because they couldn't offer any lamb with spot or blemish every lamb that had to be offered unto god had to be without spot without blemish So no birth defects and no injuries. What do do we do to babies when they're first born today? We wrap their hands, don't we? Why do we do that? So they don't scratch themselves, right? Listen, these temple shepherds would birth these ewes, babies. Rams were offered for burnt offerings, ewes for the peace offering. But as soon as they were born, they would be cleansed, they would be examined for any birth defects, and then if there were none, they would wrap them in swaddling clothes. And care for them. Now, when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, when he entered in through the Sheep's Gate, that is the same gate that all of these temple shepherds would be herding the flocks that were raised at the Migdalator at the at the at Bethlehem Ephratah, right? They, as he was coming in, so were all these sheep. Isn't this an amazing coincidence? that Jesus was born there, not, not in a dirty stable with cows and donkeys and chickens and geese. No. And it would be no wonder that somehow there would be given a revelation to these shepherds as the shepherds in the hill, the same shepherds, right, knew exactly where to go. This will be a sh- sign to you, shepherds. Where will you find them? In the manger, wrapped in so They knew exactly where to go. They weren't running around Bethlehem, they didn't have a GPS to try to guide them, but they knew exactly what this sign meant. They were the very shepherds who were committed to do this, sanctioned to do this, ordained to do this. And it would be no wonder that he would be born the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief <coughs> shepherd of the flock, born there, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, I've already won. I've already kept you too long. I love you. I hope you enjoyed it. Shall we stand? Thank you for listening to this message from Community Chapel of Greenville. For more information and to find more messages like this, please visit to www.ccgreenville.org. It is our desire to see our Lord high and lifted up and to see his people grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.